You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. where it's supposed to be. I'm a hand talker, so, but I'm also trying to keep my earrings on, so we'll see if we get to do both. (laughs) They're lovely, right? Priorities. Oh, we can hear it. All right, I'm just going to lose them because I'm going to go tink, tink all the whole time. I think it's more distracting. Should I do one? Yes, photos from this side. This would be my good side. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh. First things, I feel so seen, Abba. (laughs) Uh, He knows what I want to share on, and I have just felt him setting the table this entire time. You may be feeling a little crazy right now. You may be feeling a little swirly right now. I could feel so much going on in worship, and I was like... You're setting me up. This is great. (laughs) So how many were here last week? And kind of got pushed around a little bit. Me, how I got pushed around. Let's just (laughs) make it personal. (laughs) You know, I'm a senior leader of this church, and I was still sitting in my seat like, yes, that's true. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely brought up moments and situations in my own life where I was like, man, there's so much more forgiveness that we can give. There's such a deeper representation of forgiveness. But I would say that my fruit this week was being able to walk in that freedom. Did anybody else have that this week of just experiencing that weight lifted off of you? Because you had that much more of yourself that forgave and let go and give it to God. And I don't know how many times this week. I think the Lord was just setting it up. I'm like, well, you know what John said on Sunday. (laughs) Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I really just feel like the Lord has anointed this time for us to really dig in deep to what he was talking about, of just being healthy, whole people. Healthy and whole. And that's pretty much what I'm talking about today. What I want to talk about is how we throw around this phrase of like, I choose peace. I just need some peace. Right? We say that all the time. Because we know that peace is our portion. But I feel like for so much of the church, it's just the phrase, I just need some peace. I just need some peace and quiet, please. As a mom, how many of you say that on a daily basis? I think I even said that to both of my girls last night while I was trying to finish my sermon. I'm like, please, (laughs) leave me be for five minutes. (laughs) But the same way that John dove into forgiveness, I want to dive into peace. I'm going to piggyback off of what he said, and I'm going to push you farther. Because you love me, right? I'm going to push you farther. It's why we forgive. And it's to reside and live in that peace. It's how to have that peace that you keep saying that you need. 
So I'm going to go through a couple of myths. Since he did myths, I was like, I'll do myths. This is great. So the first myth that I want to talk about is peace is a state of mind or how I feel. Peace is how I feel. Do I feel peaceful? But usually I'm the emotions person. I'm all about how you feel. But peace is not about your feelings. The Old Testament, they used the Hebraic word for peace, shalom. A lot of us have heard the word shalom. It was used almost 250 times in the Old Testament alone. It was said a lot. It was used like 10% in saying like, hello, goodbye. Have you seen the movies where it's like, shalom, shalom. <laughs> it was used like 25% of the time to describe what we typically refer to when we say that our relationship is without conflict. So that is important to God. I'm not saying that you have to have conflict in your life. It is important to God that sometimes you have moments where there is no conflict. Living in a time of Solomon, where peace surrounded you. But that was only 25% of the time. And we would like to make it 100. So we don't focus on anything else because we're so tunnel visioned into having no conflict. <laughs> so what did the Old Testament talk about? The other 65% of the time. It's good. Don't worry. <laughs> you have to fix me. It's falling. Sorry. Blame Andy. He told me to do it. I did sound far away. There I am. There we go. You'll find out the 65% in just a minute. Who wants to use their prophetic giftings right now? <laughs> Is that better? I think it's better. <laughs> just tape it. Here, I'll just be like this. All right. <laughs> so the 65% refers to completeness, maturity, and overall well-being. Holistic well-being. In your economy. In your relationships. Physically. Completeness. Wholeness. Sounds like a whole lot more than lack of conflict. It sounds like a whole lot more than saying hello and goodbye. Now, they used this word to say hello and goodbye on purpose because in that culture, they were saying wholeness over you, prosperity over you, wholeness over your body, wholeness over your finances, wholeness over your family. They knew what they were saying, but we have slowly peeled back the richness of that word to boil it down to I'm not fighting with anybody right now. Like that ever happens. <laughs> and all the married folks say amen. <laughs> Another part that I found interesting is we've heard of shalom 
and this really, it makes me laugh every time I say it out loud, so I apologize because it's such a powerful word. But it's called shalame. <laughs> I'm sorry. But it is the root word for shalom. <laughs> and it means to make amends or making whole or complete. The making, the present tense, that present making whole. Making amends. We also see that the Lord is called Shalom. Yahweh Shalom. It's in Judges. You don't have to turn. But it's in Judges 6.24. Yahweh Shalom. It's who he is. It's his nature. We see Jesus talked about as the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 6. And then the whole first chapter of Proverbs is talking about wisdom or Holy Spirit, just so you know, wisdom, Holy Spirit. And wisdom brings peace, says it in verse 33. So Holy Spirit is the bringer of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And Father is Yahweh Shalom. So what does that tell us? The entire Trinity, completeness, wholeness, embodies peace. And it's because peace is a person. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. In the sense that God is a person. Like Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is a person. He rose. Still has a body. So we need to remember that. That we need to relate to peace like a relationship. Because he's standing there wanting connection. The prince of peace Yahweh Shalom and wisdom are standing there ready to partner with you in peace. Ready to be one with you in peace. And the best part of this relationship is that you get to be in a relationship with somebody who's perfect. He will never choose distance. Peace will never choose distance from you. Peace will always choose you. And peace chooses to connect with you. As Danny says, it's forever sitting there, ready for that connection. He's waiting there. This is the peace that we are yearning for. It's relationship. It's that bringing together, that making amends, that bringing us back to the garden, the original intent of peace. Oh, okay. I don't want to move it on. I don't, I don't want to move it on. It feels weird. <laughs> okay. Where's the picture of that? <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay. Let's see. Let's see what else happens. <laughs> well, oh, I could. That's okay. It's all right. I'm, in, I'm all done now. But I love that you got my back. <laughs> so I read a quote this week, and I loved it. It said, Jesus is not just a prince who will come back to stop all fighting and war. He is the prince who will come back and restore shalom. 
Okay, I'll say it again. Jesus is not just a prince who will come back to stop all fighting and war. He is the prince who will come back and restore shalom. So it's not about what we're feeling. It's about who we're connecting to, who we're aware of, who we're walking towards. Myth number two. Cutting out pain from my life will bring peace. Uh-oh, that sounds pretty fantastic, right? <laughs> so we're going to move on to the New Testament now. It was written in a different language. It wasn't in Hebrew. So they picked a Greek word for peace. Excuse me if I say this wrong, but I believe it is called irene. It means one, peace, quietness, rest. And to join or tie together into a whole. What a beautiful picture for peace in our new covenant. That it is rest. It is one. It is completeness. And it's still that tying together that joining. This is the peace of the New Testament. This is the peace of the New Covenant. His verbiage and, and motive is, is pretty clear. He is tying it together. He is bringing us together. Individually, he is bringing you back together. As the bride, as the family in this room, he is bringing us back together. That's where peace resides. It's not the cutting out. Even if there's pain, peace is not found in cutting off. And sometimes that's hard. When we begin our journey of peace, by finding what needs to be cut out, we will never reach our destination. If we're trying to find peace by finding everything that's hurting us, by finding everything that's wrong, by finding every place of tension, and that being your focus will never give you peace. The product is never peace. Satan loves to keep you distracted He's just like, oh, so you don't look at peace if I just keep poking you. I could totally poke you for all eternity. <laughs> so why do we choose to move to cutting things or people out? It's self-protection. And ultimately, it's a lack of trust in the Lord. A lot of people will use a specific parable that Jesus shared to justify that they are allowed to cut things out, cut people out, cut relationships out. And don't worry, I hear all the questions like, what if it's unhealthy? I will address that. Don't worry. <laughs> but I want to read through the parable that is often used and really look at it. 
So I'm going to read the whole thing because we want to have everything in context, right? We don't want to pull one scripture out and then have fun (laughs) and not know what we're talking about. (laughs) So it's in John 15, verse 1. It's the vine and the branches. I'll give you guys a minute to turn there. And I will get a drink of water. So John 15, starting with verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. I just want you to look. I won't keep reading it. But what's the next section? Love. He kept talking. He didn't end there. So the end of that passage, what was it all for? It was all for love. So let's take a look at it. So who's the only one that cut something off in this passage? It was God, the gardener. It wasn't me. He didn't give me any scissors. He didn't give me any shears. He didn't even give me a sharp rock. (laughs) he is the one who cuts off branches he is the one who prunes us we don't even prune ourselves I want you guys to realize that that we are co-laboring partnering with the Lord but everything that we do is in response to him when we are in a purifying season when we do have all of this stuff in our lives that doesn't need to be there to have peace. It's not us who cuts it off. Our job is to respond to the Lord. He is the gardener. He is the pruner. Not yourself. What does he cut? Obviously, we don't want to be cut off the vine, right? So that's our first goal. I feel like with everybody sitting in here, I'm feeling like you're not going to be cut off the vine here, okay? (laughs) But what else he does? He does prune. There is cutting. There is a room to grow. But he's not cutting out painful things. He's usually cutting out all of the leaves so that you can actually see the painful things and deal with them with the Lord. Now, with relationships, this is where I want to 
just give that explanation. When he prunes in your life and purifies you, there may be relationships in your life that change. But that's because you are renewed. You are purified, and you begin to engage in those relationships differently. And sometimes that looks like boundaries. Sometimes that looks like, hey, we're going to do love. We're not going to do disrespect. We're not going to do hate. We're not going to do gossip. We're not going to do lying. Whatever we both decided to do, if I've changed, it's okay for me to come in changed and see how the relationship rolls out. That's not me cutting off the relationship. That's me saying, I'm showing up in this way. Do you still want to connect? See the difference? We're not cutting people off. We're showing up new and with shalom. And they get to decide if they participate or not. Does that make sense? Does that that bring the relationship thing? Because I know sometimes relationships, it can get hinky. I get it. (laughs) It can get really confusing. But it's so much easier if you just get to focus on yourself and like, Lord, renew me. Prune me. Help me walk in with you, Prince of Peace. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> so what does Jesus say about those relationships? I love it. What he kept saying was, remain, remain, remain. That doesn't sound like cutting. Remain. <laughs> and then later on it says, and lay down your life for your brother. That is the heart posture that we have. Because many times our pain is related to people. So we're not cutting it off. I'm being aware of the time. So I'm like, do I want to go there? Do I not want to go there? Okay, I'll skip that little chunk there. Okay, so the mentality of needing to cut things or people out, it comes from a root of judgment. It comes from a root of judgment. To cut something out or to cut somebody out means that you have decided they are bad. Uh Uh-oh. Wait. Why do we think we can decide if something's bad? We were never meant to have the concept of good and bad. Think of the Garden of Eden. We had freedom. We had one rule. One, guys. What was the one rule? Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think we're still eating from it. (laughs) We were never meant to decide if something is good and bad. Those should never be our paradigm, ever. If you're saying something is bad, you need to back it on up and ask the Lord to prune some stuff. We were never meant to carry that burden. 
Do you know how many times I sit down with people and they're just like, I just, I just can't figure out, like, what's good for me? What's not good for me? Like, I'm so confused. Like, I thought that was bad, but maybe it's not bad. And yeah, because we were never created to handle that burden. When Jesus came, it gave us the ability to hand judgment back to the Lord. But we have to hand it back to the Lord. Because in this judgment, this is where pain of shame and blame reside. Almost sounded like a poem. But shame and blame are the byproducts of deciding if something's good or bad. When you feel you have the right to judge things as good and bad, that's what's extremely dangerous in Christianity. Guess how the world feels right now? They feel judged because we have said you are bad. And it's because we never have the full picture. We never know everything that is going on. Even with our brothers and sisters in this room, we never know everything that is going on. God is the only one that has full context of a situation. Why do you think that he can always choose forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, kindness? Maybe we should look at those instead of judgment. Let God be the judge. Our focus should be remaining in peace, connecting with peace. Peace is bringing together all things good, tying it all up, bringing us into unity, bringing us into wholeness. And the last myth that I'm going to go over today is stress is the enemy of peace. Again, we think of stress as a negative. Uh Uh-oh. That's that good, bad thing. We think stress is bad. Now, I will admit, sometimes it's not fun. (laughs) But it's not bad. Stress is actually an essential part of our lives that God created and put inside of us. Uh Uh-oh, what do you do about that? (laughs) If God put it there, we keep trying to get rid of it and judging people because we're stressed. (laughs) But you know what? Stress is a really, really good motivator. Who's a procrastinator in here? I'm a self-proclaimed procrastinator. Stress is a fantastic motivator. It will get things done. It is like it is like the propeller of being successful, of growing. It's stress that makes you say, I don't want to stay here. Let's find something else. 
right? <laughs> that is stress. It's only the physiological thing happening in your body. Now, sometimes we say that stress or that stress or that stress, like my money is stress or this relationship is stressful. That's not stress. That's money or a person. That's not stress. Stress is how your body reacts. But you know what? That reaction is actually a God-given tool to protect your shalom, to protect your peace. Stress protects your peace. <laughs> it protects that completeness. Because if you think about it, protect, or productive stress, like when you lean into it, you're stressed out. All these things going on. All these things going on. And then you lean into the stress, like why am I stressed? And stress will tell you what is important in your life and what is getting in the way. That's stress that tells you that. If you choose to lean into it and say, why am I so stressed out about this? What is going on that is bringing this level of stress into my life, that my body is reacting this way? It also will bring acceptance to things that you can't change. There are things in your life that you can't change. You can't control another person. And they might create stress. But when you lean into that stress, you're saying, why are they stressing me out so bad? It's because I have, I'm scared. I'm unsure. I don't feel protected. But then you bring acceptance of I can't change them. That stress goes. What do I need to do to walk that out? See how stress is actually pretty wonderful? If you lean into it, if you ask the questions. When you don't lean into it, then you turn into the, that's no fun to be around. <laughs> or the one that completely shuts down. <laughs> but I will say that in the same way that you can use God's gifts for the kingdom or not kingdom, stress is the same way. When you don't lean into stress, when it becomes unproductive, it is the gateway to what is actually the enemy of peace. So what is the enemy of peace? Chaos. Chaos is the enemy. Stress is just wind chimes. Stress is just the little, like, check engine light. Like, why would we want to get rid of that? Like, um, that's a pretty great feature to have on your car. <laughs> Chaos is what steals your peace. Chaos is what brings you out of connection and closeness to the Prince of Peace. And what I love about Shalom, and John has mentioned this, but I want to take time to break it down a little bit. When you take the Hebraic letters of Shalom, there's four. The first letter, because each letter has like its own picture and word associated with it. And then when you put them together, it brings the understanding of what they're trying to say. So the first letter means strong teeth or to destroy. 
The second letter means shepherd, staff, or authority. The third letter is tent peg or to attach. And the fourth letter is water or chaos. It's interesting that chaos is in the midst of shalom. But watch how this gets put together. It means to destroy the authority attached to chaos. That is shalom. To destroy the authority attached to chaos. Shalom is the intent to bring it back together, to bring everything back to the way God originally intended. Chaos is instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, and confusion. How many of you, when you feel like you're not at one with peace, there's a whole lot of swirling and confusion going on? Chaos. But here's where I want to land on this last myth. Is how do we open a door to chaos when chaos sounds pretty terrible, right? I don't feel like we would consciously choose chaos for our lives as opposed to peace. So let's turn to James 3, and I will let you know how that sneaky little booger gets in there. So James 3, yes, I don't know why I wrote 12, I'm going to start at 13. So James 3, 13, who among you is wise and understanding by his good conduct, he should show that his works are done and the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Remember, wisdom brings peace. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder, which is the word for chaos, and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So we have two groups going on here. The ones who are wise and gentle, cultivating peace, being peacemakers. And what did they say was the other group? Selfish. Envious. That's how chaos enters our lives. Is selfishness. Is being envious of others. Of wanting what others have. Again, it's in that same mentality of lack. Cutting out. I'm missing something. I need to cut something off. It's all about Away, away, and peace and shalom is all about pulling it in, pulling it in, tying it together, making it whole. And all we're focusing on is what's missing, 
what we think is missing. Now, sometimes things happen in life, and there is what we would call lack. It happens. We're all human, trying to relate with other humans, trying to get this right. So I'm not saying that all perceptions of lack are untrue, but it's what we do with it. What do we do with that feeling that comes up? What do we do when we become aware that we're, we feel like we're missing something? What this scripture is saying is that when you take the mentality of, I'm missing something, I have to get it, you have it, or at least what I think it is, so I'm going to take it from you, or I'm going to be envious and jealous of you, which guess what? They called it demonic. Ouch. We think jealousy is just like a little relational thing going on or being selfish, just kind of like, oh, they'll grow out of it. They're just being childish. No, they called it every evil practice and demonic and unspiritual. That's heavy. And it's because this is how deep this truth is. This is how much selfishness and jealousy robs us. It robs us of our peace. It robs those around us because I'm telling you from experience when jealousy and selfishness is running rampant and not being confronted, it makes the entire atmosphere around everyone swirly and confusing. So what do we do? What's the first step? We obviously don't want to be selfish. It's not like our goal in life. <laughs> it's like, yes, I want to be jealous and envious of you. It's the best. <laughs> it's sneaky. It's usually subconscious. We're not aware of it. Sometimes our, our conscious doesn't want to be aware of it because it honestly knows it's no bueno. So what's the first step? It's becoming aware. It's giving the space to do that internal check of what's happening in me. What's going on in me? Sometimes we can just feel, I call it swirly because that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm just like, what's happening? Sometimes we just feel that. That's a great first indicator to be like, hmm, I need to step back and talk with everything going on in here. <laughs> so what I want to do this morning, and that's why I was trying to get through this pretty fast, is I actually want to take you guys through that time of giving space to listen to your heart, to listen to your body, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and to start taking that journey because this is a daily walk. This is a daily choosing peace over all the other voices. Of choosing peace over all of the pain that might be there right now. But you can choose peace above it all. So what I want you guys to do is close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and hold it. 
and then let it out. Take a deep breath in, hold it, and then let it out. Let's do it one more time. Big breath in and hold it and then let it out. And just go back to breathing normal. Let's just start with our bodies. Feel your lungs filling up with air and then breathing out that air. Feel your feet on the floor. The chair underneath you. And then just begin to check in with your body. Start with the top of your head and just work your way down and say, am I holding tension? Am I holding actual physical pain? Do you have a headache right now? Do you have tension in your neck or shoulders? Don't dig into it. Just take inventory of what's happening. Say, yep, I see the tension. I feel the tension in my neck. I feel the knot in my back. I feel my stomach has butterflies. I feel a pit in my stomach. My feet are tingling. Our bodies are really good at telling us what's going on in our subconscious. What's going on in our souls, what's going on in our spirits. Because our body yearns for peace. And so sometimes it will literally scream at you to get you to pay attention, to reconnect with peace. So just be aware of what's happening. So let's just take another deep breath in and let it out. Do one more, breathe in, and let it out. And you can just breathe normal again. Refocus on just feeling your lungs, breathing that air, how your chest is moving up and down. Your body is such a beautiful creation of the Lord, and it's so worthy of our time. It's so worthy of the space we're giving it right now. So put your hand on your heart. Just keep breathing. Keep focusing on that air, just filling your lungs. Just keep breathing. And in this place, just let your thoughts begin to come up. Let them bubble up. Your heart knows all the places that you feel lack, that you feel pain, that you feel distance, instead of that tying together in wholeness. Don't try to fix it right now. You're just having space for your heart to share. Let the thoughts come. 
Just let your heart know that you see it. I see that time. I see that pain when it happened. Yeah, I see that. I see that time when chaos was all around you. I see it. I see that time where you felt unsafe. And if a thought is too much, say you see it, but don't hold on to it. You can set it to the side. You are allowed to set it to the side if it's too much right now. Just give your heart this time and this space to speak. And I just want to speak over you that your heart is good. Your heart is good. The Lord chose your heart to inhabit for a reason. Let it speak. So with your hands still on your heart, repeat this prayer after me. Prince of Peace, I give you space and my awareness to come and meet me in these places of lack, of pain, of distance, of disconnection. I hand over to you everything that does not abide in shalom. I choose you, Prince of Peace. I choose the relationship you offer me. I choose connection. I choose to walk towards you, even in the hard times. So just breathe in and out. Take a deep breath of his presence, of his connection, of his joy, of you choosing union. And breathe out that distance and breathe out rejection. Breathe in his presence and breathe out the rejection. Breathe in his peace, his person. And breathe out the lie that he is distant. All right, repeat after me again. God, help me let go of being the judge for deciding something you created was bad. You are the only judge and so much better. I put all those rights back into your hands. You are the pruner, and I am not. 
And I am so happy about that. And just breathe that in. Breathe in his mercy. Breathe in his goodness. And breathe out all of those past judgments. Breathe out that burden of trying to figure out what is good and bad. Breathe in his mercy. <laughs> Just one more breath in. Breathe in all of that goodness. And all of those judgments that are against yourself, that are against others, and even against God's creation. Just let go of all the judgment. All right, repeat after me one more time. Heart, I am so sorry that I have ignored or became angry with you for alerting me through stress. I see now that it is there to protect me. God, help me see where I am trying to achieve in my own strength. Forgive me for not trusting you. I turn my heart towards you. Yahweh Shalom. I trust you to make me complete with everything I need. And just breathe him in. Breathe in his destiny and dreams for you. And breathe out that selfishness. Breathe out that self-protection. Breathe out that fear. And breathe in his dreams. Take a big breath in and hold it. And this time, release it out with a sound, a sigh, a <sighs> Do it one more time, breathing in. Let that out. In this place, listen to your heart again. Check with your body. How's that tension? How's that pain? Has it released? Does your heart feel heard? Do you feel that pulling together of making space for not only your spirit? Because that's what we usually focus on so much on a Sunday morning is our spirits. But shalom is holistic. Peace is in your body. Peace is in your heart. And peace is in your spirit. And these are the tools to give space to everything that you are. Every nuance that you are. So keep your eyes closed, and I just want to pray this over you. Lord, we thank you that your heart towards us is peace, all-encompassing peace in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, in relationship with others, and in relationship with you. Thank you for giving us everything we need to steward your peace and thrive. Cover us in your mercy and grace 
as we learn to dwell and live in your original intent. Your judgment is meeting us with compassion, forgiveness, mercy, and grace, and above all, love. <laughs> all right, you can open your eyes. I feel so much peace in here. I do want to ask, and I'm kind of talking with Holy Spirit right now, who feels stuck? Are we doing good? Did you feel like you were able to move through some of the things that your heart told you? You're allowed to raise your hand even if you're the only one. You are safe. <laughs> That's fantastic. You guys are awesome. So then the way I'm going to end it is we are going to have the prayer team up here. And if you need agreement on what you are walking through or if your heart pricks you about something else while you're still here, the prayer team is here. If you just want to walk through that again, if you want to walk through with them, if you want agreement, if you want to feel that compassion and that kindness instead of judgment and instead of pain, they're going to be up here for you guys. And so, Lord, bless them. Cover them. Cover them with your anointing. Cover their hearts with your oil, with your healing oil. Areas that still might be tender, God, meet them with gentleness. Holy Spirit, wrap around each person in this place today. May they not leave raw, but overflowing overflowing in your peace, that as we begin to draw up things that we have pushed down so far, may you meet us with your peace. May you meet us with that wraparound presence that overflows in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys. And prayer team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.